take your Bible, if you would, please make your way to the back of your New Testament to a little book called Second Peter. If you've been in our services for some time now, you and I have been in this passage of Scripture for a few weeks. I introduced to you now and the timing of it. My plan was to preach two messages in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 9, and, and move on. But the Lord had other plans and slowed me down and began to show me uh, what he would have. I always know what the Lord wants. He's gracious enough to let me see it. And he let me see the cycle of spiritual growth. And I have, as your pastor, come to your church family and said it, that I have been asking God and praying God in 2022 that this would be a year of spiritual growth in our lives individually. And this would be a year of spiritual growth in our lives corporately. I have asked you face to face If you had to acknowledge the spiritual reality of your life right now, would you say that you are actively spiritually growing? I would ask you to take the number of years that you have been saved and begin to think about, very quickly, your life. No life is without mistake or problem or difficulty or brokenness. No life is perfect outside of the Lord Jesus. But I'm wondering where you sit today. Are you spiritually growing in your life? Only you really can honestly answer that question. Um, And to be honest with you, we can mask the truth sometimes. We can mask it by preaching. We can mask it by singing or being a deacon or teaching in a Sunday school. We can mask certain things, but the reality is you know the truth of where you are. Are you actively, spiritually growing? This is so important to me because I didn't know this when I first became a pastor. I thought pastors did more speaking than they do listening. They really, I took classes at at college on how to speak. I took announcing classes. I remember I went to basic announcing 101. The first day, teacher hands me a list of 30 words. She says, next time we meet, we're going to have a quiz over these 30 words. Well, what's the quiz? We got to spell them. We got to know them. No, you just have to say them. Say them. Like pronounce them? Yeah. Piece of cake. Showed up. It was my turn. Did not do well on that little quiz at all. And I learned very carefully that I don't pronounce a lot of words correctly. And I had to go back and learn. They taught us how to speak. They need a class on how to listen. I, I preach from here. I'm your pastor. But I do a lot of pastoral work just listening. Just listening. As people share their heart, share their joys, share their sorrows. And one of the things that a lot of Christian people have come to a a feeling about, and this might be you, is after a while they get to a place where they feel useless and they feel fruitless in their Christian life. It's not been the theme of their Christian life. It may have been on fire here or there. But over time, sometimes they can get to a place where they're just resigned to what Peter said in verse number 8 of barren or uselessness and unfruitfulness. It's not a place anybody wants to be. 
I would submit to you that the Apostle Peter would teach that this is not a place where we must remain or have to remain. But usually the reason we get here is because we are not actively, spiritually growing in our lives. Both of these epistles deal with the subject of growth, as Peter has written to them. I've already touched on all of that. The admonition in Second Peter is the very last verse of chapter number 3, where he says, but grow in grace, grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're given a push in the direction of grow. We're told where to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Sometimes... We can have a desire to do that, but not just, just not know how to do that. I'm glad that the Bible gives direction on how or where to begin. And Peter acknowledges this in chapter 1 of his second letter. Look, if you would, please, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, which means concentration, add... To your faith. He's speaking here to believers. He's speaking here to people who've already come to faith in Jesus. He's not asking you to add these things so you can be saved. He's saying, because I have already been saved, these are possible to add in my life. This addition carries with it the idea of me doing my part, practice, exercising, acknowledging it. Working it out in my life. There's seven things listed here. They're not meant to be taken purely individual. They are, they're, they're meant to be taken as a whole, which means we're working on all of them all the time. But I can't preach all of them all the time, so I'm just doing one at a time. Verse number five, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness Brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, say the last word of verse number seven, please. Charity. So the song that she just sang is a reality as God's people grow in these verses. I've already dealt with the first two, virtue and knowledge, virtue being moral excellence, knowledge being spiritual truth that we add to our lives. Today, I want to speak to you on the subject of temper. Temperance you see mentioned in verse number 6. Some Bibles go ahead and give you the definition of temperance. And you will find that the word comes to mean self-control. It's a strong word. To control something means that you have strength. To control something is the exercise of a greater. This word temperance or self-control control is a, a, a process or a truth, a reality that you and I as believers are to add to our life if we are to spiritually grow. Now, probably out of all of them that are be mentioned, th- this is the one that is the most difficult. Because in order to know self-control, I have to be willing to give up self-control. I'm going to say that again so you hear it. In order for me to know self-control, 
I have to be willing to give up control of myself. Pastor, I'm out of control. I've heard that before. Most of the time, people can see that you're out of control before you ever acknowledge that you're out of control. Sometimes as a pastor, I sit with people and they come in and they begin to tell me their story. And it's a story that they are out of control. Nobody as a believer wants to be out of control. I honestly believe that saved people want to glorify the Lord. They want the Lord to be pleased with them. If that's you, would you say amen? Many people don't understand about the control of their life. They don't understand because they got saved honestly. We learned of how great God is. We learned about our sin. We learned how we were separated in our sin. We learned how we were under the condemnation of our sin. We learned about the love of God, that he didn't want us to perish. He sent his son to become a man, to take our place in the cross, to die for our sin. We honestly, when we come to the moment where we receive him, we are broken, we are emptied, we are humbled, and we want to be saved. Some as a child some as an adult. The very first thing that happens to a person when they get saved is that they're made new. Old things are passed away and all things become new. One of the earliest things that you realize that's new about yourself is talked about there in this verse when he says, add to your faith virtue or morality. Paul said, the things I used to do and used to be, I am no longer. I used to be that, but I'm washed I'm sanctified, I'm justified, I've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. If you're glad that you're not what you used to be because of Jesus, say amen. And, And immediately in this newness, this washing, this peace with God, this freedom from guilt, this understanding that, uh, uh, that of God's marvelous salvation, I began to add spiritual truth to my life. I began to read the Word of God. I began to open and apply. I began to obey the Word of God. And, and the knowledge of, of, my, of the grace of God in the Lord Jesus, this knowledge that is invested through inquiry and investigation, effort and experience, and I began to learn everything about as much as I can learn. And for a while, it's great. And and if I'm honest, I get saved. I begin to read the Bible. I begin to want to apply the Bible. And a little bit of me just thinks that life all of a sudden is just going to be sweet, what it is. But it's also going to be simple. And in our mind, we, we think... Temperance. We don't know it to be temperance, but we think, okay, this is my new life. Those things that I was addicted to, those things that had me enslaved, those things that had me entrapped, those things will no longer bother me. And then as I begin to move forward in that, I realize instead of temperance, I run into temptation, to temptation, to temptation, and I feel pressure and pressure and pressure And I realized very quickly that what I thought in getting saved would be the absence of temptation. All of a sudden, I'm in this massive, massive war. And and, and pretty soon, there's this out-of-controlness that happens in my life. 
This is where you need to understand some things. And stay with me just till the end of the message. I'm trying to go fast, but I got to get this truth to you. Before you were saved, you, you had one nature within you. That's your old sinful nature. That old sinful nature dominated you. It controlled you. The only thing that could buffet your old sinful nature would be the conscience that God gave you. And, and in certain areas, your conscience would buffet that where you could somehow control the push, the inquiry of the old nature. But in some ways, it was easy in my conscience to just dismiss and for that old man just to be dominated and to be the leader of me. And really and truthfully, there was never really a a war of natures within me. There was the conviction of my conscience, but as an unbeliever, I just did whatever my sinful nature wanted me to do. And then one day, oh glorious day, I got saved and a new sheriff moved into town. And I got indwelt by God, by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, all this sudden, I've got my old nature, and I've got this divine nature that lives within me because of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. This should be making sense. Now, let's not freak out real bad and think pastor's gone nuts. But is there anybody else out there that if you were honest, there are times that you can identify the two natures that live within you as a child of the living God? Right? There are times when I run into my old nature. I I know him a little. I, I can sense him when he begins to push for leadership. I can sense him when he begins to move in my senses. Sometimes I think, why did I think that? Why did I want to say that? Why did I want to? I run into that old man. Sometimes I can hear that old man say, hey, why don't you come back home? I tell him, that's not my home anymore, baby. I'm just passing through. I have a home with the Lord Jesus, right? And then I run into that new nature, that nature of God that is, has redeemed me, that has birthed my spirit. And the Bible says that you and I as believers, and you need to understand this so you can grow. They, they're not friends. They're contrary to the one or the other. That old nature hates the new nature. And the new nature hates The old nature. Paul told the church at Galatia that both of them have this desire, this strong desire for control in our lives. The final authority over who will control your life is you. You decide, Christian, if you're going to be controlled by the old man Or if you're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Controlled by the old man will make you out of control eventually. Listen very carefully. Controlled by the new man will also make you out of control. 
Ephesians chapter 5, please. Let me build my case. Ephesians chapter 5, probably one of the greatest verses in the New Testament, the foundation verse of the New Testament, the one that everybody needs to understand. Ephesians chapter 5, come if you would please to verse number 16. I beg you to turn in your scripture. I beg you to be able to watch and to see. Paul's writing here to the church at Ephesus, redeem the time. The days are evil, we understand that. Wherefore, be ye not understanding, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, verse number 18 ought to be highlighted, underlined in your Bible. It is the key, key verse for your spiritual life, for victory. It's a key verse for spiritual growth. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be, say it class, filled with the Spirit. That word filled with the Spirit is the word controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. In essence, for your spiritual growth, where the Bible tells you to add temperance or self-control, the Bible is teaching you to add spiritual control. Now, The Bible gives a wonderful, wonderful example of this. Let's let's understand some doctrinal things here. This isn't above you. The Holy Spirit of God has ministries that he does, right? The first thing is he convicts you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. Your body becomes the tabernacle or the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit of God moves inside of you by faith. And the Bible says that if he does not, if you do not have the Spirit of God, then you are none of his. But we know the presence of God, which makes us a believer, that bursts our spirit. We are indwelt. In indwelling you, he seals you under the day of redemption. Which means, once you've been saved by God, you can never be lost from God. Okay? Then the ministry he has is the ministry of filling. Okay? How many times do you need to be indwelt by God? Once. How many times do you need to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of God? How many times do you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God? Every moment of your life. See, the Holy Spirit of God controlling you, filling you, is not just a one-time event. Let's just make sure we understand something, church family. Your flesh, your old man, your sinful nature is and always will be until you get a new body, your default button. Which means, I wake up in the morning and dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. I wake up in the morning sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Ask Beverly, I don't always wake up in the morning filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is why you should not just do devotions at night. To all my people who only read the word of God or you do your devotions at night, 
You don't need your devotions purely at night to sleep. You need to begin the day with the Lord. Okay? And so as I wake up in my life, my flesh is my default button, which means I have to yield control to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, he gives this example. I've never had this example. I've never used this example. I've never been asked in this example. So I'll have to count on some wisdom out here. Where are my drunks? One, two. I'm going to leave you out, Rod. Right? Right? All right. So, so Joey and Randy, I'll include Rod over here. Hank's a deacon, you're not. Um, they want to go out and they want to get drunk one night, right? So they, they would call Tom to be something that's called a designated driver, right? Now, the only reason you need a designated driver is because you plan on losing control. So you pick a night, you pick a place. From what I understand, you better bring a lot of money. And you plan to get drunk. Now, no no Christian ought to do this. You plan on giving the alcohol control of your life. You plan on losing control. Therefore, you call Tom so that he can remain in control and get you where you need to be. Christian, the way that you are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God in principle works the same way. You come to the Holy Spirit of God and you give him control of your life, which in turn makes you lose control and he becomes the driver of our lives. And by the way, he will always get you where you need to go. So many Christian people are so discouraged because they're out of control. And, and they don't, they feel useless, they feel fruitless, they can't get a grip on these things, and they're struggling. Let me show you how this works. Is it difficult? Go to Proverbs chapter 16, please. This is so vital to our spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not easy. It doesn't just happen. It's difficult. It's difficult because I've got to want it. I've got to apply it. I've got to exercise it. The Lord has given me everything I need. Come, if you would, please, to Proverbs chapter 16. Look, if you would, at verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, 
And he that ruleth his spirit, that's self-control, then he that does what class? Taketh a city. Okay, now we've got a brilliant example of this, right? So let's just be, we have a man in the world who's trying to take cities. He's the Russian president. His name is Vladimir Putin. He's coming to the nation of Ukraine, and he's trying to get to the city of Kiev, right? Kiev, thank you. He's brought 150-some thousand soldiers. They've been launching all kinds of missiles and tanks and infantry and ammunition. And the whole world is watching, right, for this one man to try to rule a nation. So Tense is this, that if we're not careful, we could get into a world war. By the way, little parenthesis here. Anytime Russia and China and Iran and Iraq are moving on the world stage, look up our redemption draweth nigh. The second thing you'll want to keep your eye on is on the Catholic Church. As the Catholic Church begins to rise in power, it's coming together. So we have a man who's we're watching try to take cities. The wisest man apart from the Lord Jesus said this, it's easier for that man to take those cities than it is for you or me to rule our spirits. Are you kidding me? In, in reality, you would know that. Because I got up this morning and I put on my nice suit and my nice tie just like many people all over the nation did today. And we've come to sit in our churches and, and we, we present temperance. But we know ourselves. We know the battles. We know the out of controlledness. Impossible. Oh, make your way to Galatians chapter 5 and I'll close. Please. Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about self-control. When the Bible tells you to add self-control, he's not talking, telling you to do something in your own ability. Spirit will be willing to lose control and let the Holy Spirit of God take control. And he brings to us that. Look, if you would, please, at Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill, finish that verse, please, the lust of the flesh. Now, here's what the Bible is teaching, because, Pastor, what do I need to be in control of? Well, the Bible talks about us controlling our temper, our tongue, our spirit, all of that which is within us, right? And the major thing that I have to control 
exercise control in is from that old man, that old man that used to have dominion over me. That old man, by the grace of God, has been rendered without power if I let the Holy Spirit of God lead and guide and direct. But that old man does not want to give up. And so... As I'm living in my Christian life, I have to realize I'm not more powerful than the old man. I cannot control my behavior in a way that's needed. I'm, I'm a sinner that's saved by grace. But yet I have the wonderful, blessed uh, deliverance of the Holy Spirit of God. So Paul's telling the church at Galatia, there's a lust there, there's a war there. But I have to learn how to walk in the Spirit so that I may not produce or work do the works of the flesh. Now, we've got this backwards. Stick with me just a moment. The verse does not say, look at verse 16. The verse does not say, do not fulfill the lust of the flesh and you will be spiritual. No, it doesn't. But we've destroyed a generation of young people in our churches because we told them, do this and don't do this and you'll be right with God. Nobody's right with God because of what they do. We're all right with God because of what Jesus has done. So we've got boys and girls, your kids, who are now 21 and 25 that don't want anything to do with God at all. Why? They never knew control. It's not don't fulfill the flesh and you will be spiritual. That is impossible. That's what the devil tries to get us to do. The reality was walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How does that work? As I walk in the spirit, I yield the spirit control of my life. Keep reading the passage. Verse number uh, 17. For the flesh flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. If you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Look at that list. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, which is drug abuse, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, envying, murder, drunkenness, revelings, the such like of which I tell you before as I've told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That means that that's the identity of your life. It's the evidence that you don't know the Lord. Doesn't mean if you struggle here or fall here, if it's the complete bent of your life. Look at verse number 22. What's the word start? What's the verse start with? What word? But, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, say our word, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Peter said... If you're going to not, if you're going to know usefulness and fruitfulness, you've got to spiritually grow. And as you have been redeemed, you add a virtue, you add spiritual truth, but you got to learn self-control. Self-control is spirit control. If I'm going to know self-control. I have to be willing to give up control of self 
and let the Holy Spirit of God take over. If you do not learn this truth and you do not practice this, guilt, condemnation, regret, anxiety, a loss of love for the Lord, a loss of zeal, heaviness, frustration, all of these things, the devil will just pound and pound and pound and pound. And eventually you get to the place where you're out of control in a bad way. I promise you, God is not a liar. He promised us a victorious Christian life, and there is one as we yield control. I was 16 years of age when I learned this lesson. Don't freak out. I didn't have a bad thing I was dealing with as far as what the world deals with today, but for me in my life, it was sin. And I couldn't stop. I could control for a little while, and and I couldn't stop. And I remember getting so frustrated one day, I just got honest with the Lord. You ever get honest with the Lord and just lay it down? He's big enough to handle it. And I told the Lord this. I said, Lord, I can't stop. I'm out of control here. And if you don't help me, this is the way my life is going to be. Went to my dad. And my dad took a Bible, and my dad began to show me, Tommy, you were never designed to be in control of your life. Tommy, you don't have the ability to bring any spiritual capability to your life at all. Tommy, the best thing you can do is yield control of your life daily to the Holy Spirit of God and let him lead, guide, and protect, and build. I'll never forget, I got on my knees and I told God, I said, God, I don't make you a promise that I quit. I don't make you a promise that I'm going to do better. I've already tried all that garbage. It doesn't work. Here's what I'm telling you. I don't want control anymore. I give you control of my life and you just lead me. Giving up control brought self-control, which if you are honest, probably no greater blessing in all the world to have your spirit ruled with the peace of God by the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. Powerful truth. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, add temperance. We add temperance as we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He's the producer of that. It's the fruit of of himself. So many of God's people find themselves taking control at the end of that road is out of control in a bad way but if we will yield control we'll still be out of control but we'll be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God this truth learned in my life is the reason I'm standing here today because in reality I couldn't take the guilt. I couldn't take the heaviness. I couldn't take the frustration. I couldn't take the failure. Trying to be in control of my own life. 
Thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed as you're sitting there, are you out of control today somewhere, Christian, in a bad way? Keep running into the same difficulty. Learn to yield daily your control to the Holy Spirit of God. There's not anything you face in your life he can't help you with. Not anything you face in your life that he can't direct you with. You keep doing it on your own, you're going to run out of gas. And eventually you're going to say, I'm useless and fruitless when you're a child of the living God. You have to want it. You have to be willing to give up control. But if you'll be willing to give it up, you'll be happy. Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. And you you need faith. You need to come to the Lord as Savior. If you'd love to take a Bible and show you how to be saved, we'd love for you to open your heart and receive the Lord. Pastor, I'm not a Christian, but in reality, I'm out of control. That's why I'm here today looking for something. No, you need someone. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. We'd love to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Christian, maybe you need to come today and pray and yield God control in your life. Would you stand, please? Father, have your way and will in this invitation, a powerful truth, a sobering truth, but yet a simple truth. How hard is it to wake up and say, Holy Spirit of God, I give you my life today. Control me and lead me, help me, strengthen me, protect me, keep me from evil. Allow me to be pleasing to the Lord today. And you, you bring about all that can be brought. The hard part is I got to want to do it. That's why it's more difficult than taking a physical city. Wow. Lord, if there be anybody here that's not a believer, and I pray today that they'd let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved. Have your way and will now in this time. We love and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our invitation is open. The altar is open. Maybe you need to come today and release control to the Holy Spirit of God in some area of your life. Ask him to take that control. And in being out of control, you'll know his control. We'll be here to lead somebody to the Lord. If you need help, we'll take a scripture and do that. Lift your voice. The altar is open. You come and pray. Take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee Take my moments and my days Let them flow in ceaseless praise Let them flow in ceaseless praise Take my hand and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing Always only for my King Take my lips and let them be Filled with messages from Thee Filled 
served with messages from Thee. I, I challenge you tomorrow morning when you wake up, Holy Spirit of God, I yield control to you today of my life. Take control and lead me in the way of righteousness. You'll be shocked at what a good day you will have. It may not be an easy day, but you'll handle it spiritually. If you're getting your picture taken, please remain in the auditorium. Uh, Don't forget to get your children. Otherwise, we shall see you back Wednesday night. Stop by the table. Tell Lauren what a blessing she was and how grateful we are to have her today. Our song to go home, Since I Have Been Redeemed. Oh, what a song that we have to sing. See you Wednesday night. I have a song I love to sing since I have been redeemed of my Redeemer, Savior, King, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in His name, since I have been redeemed. I will glory in my Savior's name. God bless you all. You are now dismissed.